Carroll bringing it forward. Thompson's making the run. Carroll hangs on to it though. Still Davy Carroll. Could go all the way here. Oh, what a goal! Episode 8 of Ringing the Blues. This week we talk to author and journalist Neil Harmon about a book that he is writing about Wickham Wanderers. We have the action and reaction from a massive week for the Chairboys, plus some more takeover talk. But first, it's over to Mexico City for the results. Ringing the blues with a little bit of a hangover feeling, you know? Sorry, my head is spinning a lot, but I will try to give you the results of League One. Here are the results. Blackpool 1, Rotterdam United 2, Bristol Rovers 1, Milton Keynes Dons 0, Oxford United 3, Doncaster Rovers 0, Peterborough United 2, Lincoln City 0, Portsmouth 0, Gillingham 0, Rochdale 2, Accrington Stanley 1, Southend United 1, AFC Wimbledon 4. As for today's Spanish lesson, we have a phrase, a very sensitive phrase. Gareth Ainsworth, we want you to stay. So in Spanish it would be more like, Gareth Ainsworth, queremos que te quedes con nosotros. Oh, it sounds very strange, right? We want you, queremos, we want, queremos, nosotros, queremos, we, nosotros, want, queremos, we want you to stay. Queremos que te quedes, to stay, quedarse, which quedarse is more like to remain with us. Uh, we want you to stay with us. Queremos que te quedes con nosotros. Gareth Ainsworth, quédate con nosotros. So, this was Ringing the Blues from Mexico City with a hangover. Uh, and excuse me, I'm going to go to the restroom because I feel very ill. Goodbye, adios, and back to my friend, my amigo, Phil Catchpole. Many thanks, Uri. No game for Wickham Wanderers this weekend due to international call-ups for Ipswich Town. So let's listen back to the action of the last seven days. Commentary from Ollie Bayliss. Ivan Tony with a shot, and Moisa has scored for Peterborough, where Wickham should have cleared their lines. They didn't clear their lines. The ball was intercepted. Blake traced it to Tony. Moisa picked it up, and Moisa scores his ninth of the season for Peterborough. Shot comes in and it's gone in again. Josh Knight, that was, fired it across goal. Couple of Wickham bodies on the line. Neither of them can keep it out. And well, Peterborough have gone 2 0 up here at Adams Park. Akin oh, Fenwer is. scores with a header. Akin Fenwer rose highest, stooping header on the left hand side. And Akin Fenwer <laughs> scored his fourth of the season. And Wickham are back in sight here. Good, Good free start. kick from Dominic Gabe. And looked to be like an own goal, was it, by the retreating defender, Frankie Kent? Either way, they're back on level terms. Wickham Wanderers, lovely delivery on the right-hand side from Grat Grimmer. And it's an own goal. Corner comes in into the six-yard box. Not cleared yet. It's lashed home by Ivan Tony. Had two bites at it, didn't win the first header. 
came down and with a sort of swiveled bicycle kick. Showing a second yellow card and he's probably let Wickham Wanderers down a little bit there. Wickham chasing the game. What they didn't need to do is go down to 10 men and that's exactly what's happened. Curtis Thompson sent off. 95th minute, Wickham trailing 3-2. Penalty, Akin Fenwar steps up and Akin Fenwar scores for Wickham Wanderers to level. Wickham Wanderers 3, Peterborough United 3. They are one of the, the better teams in our league, one of the best teams in our league. You know, Form-wise, they're in fantastic form. They score plenty of goals going forward. They have Madison, Tony, Isa, a lot of money spent on, on, uh, on some good players there. Here comes Guthrie, takes the ball down nicely, heads off towards that left-hand side. It's been watched by Jambati, gets it across, and there's Cowley with a header, and he rose. He's not the big man, but he rose and put it across into the top left-hand corner, and that's Stevenage ahead. That's, uh, well, that was almost out of nothing. Wickham Wanderers nil, Stevenage one. We weren't great tonight. I think there's 11 new players all playing together there, and uh, it's uh, it was a little bit foreign at times to what we were. Stevenage came with a, obviously a block. You know they've been up against it in the league, and they've gone five at the back, uh, and it worked. You know we couldn't break them down. We've not really had a shot on target. I think we had one in the whole game, and then again I think they've only had two. You know, so it was a, a game of very few chances. Yeah, we, we needed a win. You know, and I think both teams tonight have gone strong. You know, Wickham and us are going with strong starting 11s. You know, they, they didn't want to get beat today. They haven't lost at home for a long, long, long time. So to come here and get that result is a, an incredible effort from all the players. And we piled the pressure on them as well. You know, Saturday second half was just nowhere near. It just wasn't good enough. So we said to them tonight is that, look, we have to win tonight. We had to win. We've got two more games left in this competition and I want to, I want to get out of this group. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, not not progressing this tournament. There's uh, there's money to be won. There's there's pride to be gained, and uh, we've got MK Dons and Fulham now, and I, and I want to make sure that we uh, we perform well in those games. Ainsworth is now clear favourite with the bookmakers to become the next Sunderland boss. We understand Wickham have allowed him to speak to Sunderland and wouldn't stand in his way. Reports suggest Sunderland have requested permission to speak to five managers currently in work. The Wickham boss led the chairboys into League One two seasons ago. This season he's taken Wickham to second in the table and currently above Sunderland. Others in the running, according to the bookies, include former Barnsley boss Daniel Stendhal, Wigan manager Paul Cook and Gary Monk, with Luton's head of recruitment and Sunderland-born Mick Harford also further down the list. It was over a week ago when Wickham drew 3-3 with Peterborough at Adams Park, but it's worth checking in to find out what the fans thought about that. Here's what the posh fans had to say at full time. Stumpy. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened in the dressing room at half time, but we went to pieces in the second half. The subs were awful, although I think Madison would have been sent off if he had stayed on. Despite the fact that we should have won, a point away at a team in second place is a good one. Horton's Fork Never a penalty in a million years, but we should have been out of sight at that point. We have beaten ourselves again. 
First goal was dreadful with four men on Akin Penoir and the goalkeeper not keeping a soft header out on his near post. Second goal was also very poor. Awful game management. I feel sorry for the offensive side of our team. They've been let down again today. Meat and no veg. So, we have three senior keepers. And they are all shite. Crusader. A poor goalkeeper unsettles defence. And none of our three keepers are good enough for a side looking to win promotion. It looks like Pin's confidence is shattered. Penfold. First half, Wickham sat back and we took full advantage. But we desperately needed that third goal to kill them off. And once they scored, then the equaliser was inevitable. Surprised and delighted we scored again. And we should have seen the game out. Looked like a soft penalty. And the ref was desperate to give it. Oh well, an entertaining game. And a good day out. Pat. Could I just check that we got a point away from home at the second place side. Losing the lead twice was daft, but it's hardly an effing disaster. Perry. The goals we gave away were all shocking and all avoidable too. They should never get that header for the first. Even Fergie says Pim should save it. The second Kent tried to clear with his wrong foot. And the third is the softest pen I think I've ever seen. Dutch posh. I would have been happy to take a point before the match, but this is uh, once again about two extra points we could and uh, really should have brought on. It's the third time already this season that uh, points have been dropped due to late goals while defending a lead. Ipswich, Tramia and now Wickham against 10 men this time. That's six points down the drain. Chumpy one. If we can sort out the basics, these drop points shouldn't make any difference. Nobody in League One can compete with our scoring power. Not much we can do about it until January there. We, sh we could end up scoring over a hundred league goals this season and still miss out on the playoffs. At Smithy 0081. A huge thanks to the Wickham Stewarts and staff in the away end today for <clears throat> bending over backwards to help my lad, who's on crutches. Thank you. Hashtag never happened. At the time of recording, Gareth Ainsworth has slipped in the odds for the Sunderland job, but other clubs will be monitoring the situation with Millwall also in the market for a new manager. With the chairboys doing so well, it's inevitable that Gaz will attract interest and surely Wanderers fans will wish him well if he was to move on and chase his dreams at a bigger club. However, off-the-pitch issues dominate the chairboys' chat as well, and it's a big week for the Kuhigs and Wickham Wanderers Trust as the vote looms this week. I spoke to Jeff Doyle on Three Counties Sport. We've been talking about this for a while uh, and we've been waiting for when 
when this meeting was going to get called and when the voting would begin. And it's come perhaps sooner than we expected because I think the first time it ever got mentioned was uh, was about two months ago and they said we're looking to maybe have the meeting next year. So they brought it forward. They haven't, I think, purely because of the form on the pitch, Jeffrey, mm. because things are going so well. The mood around Adams Park at the moment is fantastic. It's really, really buzzing. The, the squad's great. They're scoring lots of goals. Unbeaten now. I think it's the best unbeaten run in, the football league, in their football league history. I think they've equaled that now. Um, it's phenomenal. And I can see why they've brought it forward. Um, I would asked, it have been them who would have brought it forward? Or no, would it have been the trust? It would have been the trust, I think, as well. and um, Because I think they're keen to get it done. Mm. Um and it's like anything, when the things are going well on the pitch, it kind of makes almost everything else seem a, a little brighter, doesn't it? Um, although this is a stark reality, Jeff. If this vote doesn't go through, the club's in real trouble. So the, the trust leaders or whoever decided to call this meeting for next week um, obviously want it to happen. They want this to go ahead. Yeah, this is their recommended way forwards. And this is, I think, the third time they've tried to bring a deal to the Trust Legacy members. They failed to do so on the previous occasions for, for whatever reasons. The last American consortium um, got cold feet and pulled out. Um, so this is the closest we've actually got to seeing a proposal. Still haven't seen it yet. Uh, it's going to be circulated, we believe, uh, over email to the uh, or the, the main points of to the Legacy members. Of course, that will get leaked out to the rest of the fans as well. Um, and at the moment, the club is saying that the full proposal will be Adams Park for people to go and, and check out the full thing if they want to. I think a lot of fans are quite keen to see I'm sure what, they are. what the detail is. They always it's say their the, football club. The devil's in the detail, as they say. So it'll be interesting to see what exactly is in there. Um everything they've done has been pretty good so far, the Kuhigs, I think that's fair to say. They've brought new initiatives on off the pitch. They've given the manager extra money and that's been shown with the football on the pitch and the position that they find themselves second in the table. However, when when you hear about investment and someone taking over a club for a majority shareholding, little alarm bells ring and you think, oh, OK, do we need to be a little bit concerned here? What do we know about them? Do we know enough about them? Exactly that. Um, what we do know about them is, is Rob and his wife Missy and his nephew Pete have made themselves incredibly available to fans. I love the way they embrace match day at Adams Park in particular. They're not in the boardroom. They're not having the prawn sandwiches. They're on the terrace. They're in the stand. They're behind the tilling the club shop. They're in the village, uh, in the chairboys village pulling pints. You know, great PR obviously, but they're actually seeing and understanding what it's like to be a fan at Adams Park. And I think fans have really responded to that online as well. Very communicative, mm. but then they have to be because this threshold for the vote is so high. So they have to go and do this. So um, I think they, they haven't really put a foot wrong today. They've given Gareth a bit of money for the squad as well, which has paid dividends on the pitch. But fans will, of course, be wondering what it is they want. They've been quite open in how they've communicated this. They believe they can make the club profitable and that's where they're going to make their money. They've said they want to make money out of this. They want to make it a sustainable, successful club. Um, and that's what they think they're going to do. And fans, uh, the general consensus, I think, from the fans I've spoken to are that this is a risk, but then the risk of not voting for them is even higher. Yes, and that risk is, if it doesn't get pushed through, someone's the the investors before them still owed, what, half a million, is it? And where is that money going to come from? Exactly. Who's got half a million pounds to spare? Exactly, and, and I think that's almost really the tip of the iceberg. The club, we believe, is losing... 
you know, approximately £700,000 per season. There's other people who've owed money. There's two charges existing on the stadium before the Americans got theirs. There's money that needs to be paid. Rob Kuhig is on record as saying that if the vote goes through, he will clear the debts of this football club uh, and then look forward and make a plan what he thinks is to get into the championship. That's what he said he's going to do. If he gets the vote, it'll be interesting to see how and, and when he does it. I'm just trying to think what he could get out of it. You know, is is he there just because some owners just like being the head of kind of the football club, don't they? Uh, they may have a bit of an ego and some will admit to that too. And th- th- it's their name at the front. Is that is that what he's after? What what else do the club have? Um, Rob, was, I think the first meeting he had with the fans, he said he admitted himself he's got a massive ego. Mm, he did, yeah, he did, he's yeah. from New Orleans in, in the United States. It's a great city. If anyone's ever been there, it's a wonderful city. People from there like to have a great time. The Cougars have certainly embraced the fun nature of football so far. Easy to do so for us because we've seen the results since they've come in. They've been great. Mm. Will they be having so much fun in January if we can lose five on the spin? Well, well, let's hopefully not find out, but hopefully uh, things will continue to be really, really good on uh, on the pitch as well. I think he, he's a businessman. He believes that he can turn this round and make a return and make money from it. Um, it's going to be tough. The location of the ground is a big challenge they've got to deal with. If they're to get the fans that they need to make it sustainable, getting away from Adams Park after a game is a problem they need to solve. And it's a problem that hasn't been able to be solved since the club's been there. Yeah, and that is... I'm not quite sure what the answer to that is because it's on an industrial state at the bottom of a hill and there aren't really many other areas of access where you can get to and from. So good luck with that one. Um, uh, so 75% needed of the legacy members. There are, what, how many? 850 or something like that? Yeah, between 850 and 900, I think, final count. Um, it's 75% have to vote yes. The ones that don't vote at all, that counts as a no. That wow. makes it even more difficult. So they need to get those members there. Otherwise, they've got no chance. Yeah, the voting will start after the meeting. It'll also be an electronic process as well. There's going to be two weeks available for everyone to vote. And the Trust have got a massive challenge here to get this turnout because everybody needs to vote. And the message I think they're sending out is that we're not telling you which way to vote. The recommendation is a yes but they have to say, get everyone out to vote because they don't want apathy to decide the future of the club. And, you know, anyone who's got any doubt, just contact the club and say, am I a legacy member? Have I got a vote? If there's any doubt, communicate with them. There's a two-week window here. And this two-week window is probably the biggest two weeks in the club's 132-year history. The morning after this, it was revealed that a consortium involving former players Dennis Bergkamp, Dirk Kautz and Henrik Larsson wanted to purchase a majority stake in Wickham Wanderers in the summer. With cash flow a huge concern, the trust elected to pursue the Rob Kuhig bid. And I understand that there were also concerns over the former players not wanting to go public on their identities until after a vote on their bid. Quite simply, this is a massive two weeks for Wickham Wanderers. The legacy members' vote opens this Tuesday after the Kuhig's proposal is revealed and discussed at the legacy members meeting. If you have a vote, make sure you use it. Sports journalist and author Neil Harmon is becoming a regular face at Wickham Games and behind the scenes at Adams Park. He's writing a book on this season for Wickham Wanderers and I asked him how this came about. It came about because I'm a, an old pal of Gareth's and uh, it's something I've always wanted to do. I thought a, the story of a, of a football club following it from beginning to end through a season was, uh, was long overdue and uh, of course which club do you go for? Uh, and for some reason I just thought Wickham was a great story. Uh, so I had a conversation with Gareth in June and uh, the initial response was well let me think about it. Uh, I, I think like probably like any of us, Phil, there was a sense that it might not be a very good season. 
um, the chances are it's going to be a struggle from beginning to end. And I think there was a slight hesitation on Gareth's part. Did he want to be involved in something that might not look too good at the end? But we had a, we had a long chat about it and he, uh, he then said, OK, yeah, let's do it. I, I think it was just, come on. I, I said to him, even if Wickham have a disaster and they go down to League Two, I think it's fascinating to, for the public to actually know what goes on behind the scenes and how you deliberate throughout the season, the decisions you have to make, um, the, 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 the peaks which might not be very peaky and the troughs which might be very deep. And he said, OK, let's do it. So uh, we started uh, the first day of pre-season training when there were 11 players. And I thought, oh gosh, this is just going to be... Uh, it's going to be awful and the first conversation is have we got enough um have we got enough uh, pins to attach the nets to the to the to the goals the post and the goal post at the training ground so it was fairly basic stuff and I, I, as it's gone along it's just been an incredible and it has been an incredible journey even though it's only three months old so what sort of access have you got then you're you're seeing everything warts and all i suppose well it's i think for many I didn't know anybody, I didn't know any of the players, I didn't know any of the staff. So I think the first thing you do is you go a little bit softly, softly. You don't barge in and say, I'm, I'm, I'm this and I'm that. Gareth made a point of, it, of introducing me to the players as a group, which at that stage was a pretty small group. But I explained what I wanted to do and how I hoped it might work and that I'd be there. And if I was intruding, to tell me I was intruding. But my, my point to the guys was... If, if I'm not allowed access to certain things, then I can't tell a proper story. And for a book to be, to be any good and for the story to be authentic, I do need some kind of extra access, with, as I say, without being intrusive, too intrusive. And to be fair to them, I, I've asked to do individual interviews and no one has turned me down. Um, I've been on the bus once, which was great fun, to Rochdale a couple of weeks ago. And um, it's been, I've listened in to play, you know, tactically and to see what Gareth does. And I, I've, been, I've been mightily impressed with the whole setup. So your relationship with Gareth has really sort of unlocked all of this for you, I suppose. He yeah. must really trust you. Y- yes. I, I mean, but, but believe it or not, we're both parishioners in the same church in Wokingham. So I've, I've seen him there as well in, in cl- quiet, contemplative times. We, 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 strange enough, we use the same coffee shop in, in, in Wokingham as well. So the conversation evolved from that. Um, and what's, what's been fascinating to me is that there's a, there's a, quiet, there's a quiet resolution amongst the, the players, and a lot of it is faith-based. And not a lot of footballers, I don't think, are happy to talk about things like that. But so far... Uh, that those I've I've spoken to about you know fairly personal things have been more than willing to talk about it, which I, I find fascinating and at the same time uplifting. I think it's been, as I say, so far it's it's really been uh, an eye opener for me. Uh, the story so far, we sit here in October, um, so I'm guessing we're maybe four or five chapters into into the overall finished product. Uh, it's a documentation of the season, but. Frankly, you'd have struggled to make some of this stuff up, wouldn't you, so far? I keep, I keep texting some of my, my pals to say, you'll never believe what's happened this week, or this, this match was extreme. I, I, I mean, I, I've, I've missed a couple of matches because I had a, took a little break, but every match I've seen, something weird or wonderful has happened. And you, you really couldn't make some of the, some of the stuff up. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a South End boy, 
and to see them come here and lead 3-1 and get beaten 4-3, I didn't quite know how to feel about that, but at the same time I was thrilled because what a story that match was. Milton Keynes here, 3-2, what a match that on Saturday, 3-all from 2-0 two, two down to Peterborough. And you, you, I, I'm, I'm waiting for a dull period, but there hasn't been one yet. And of course, from someone like myself, need, needing a little bit of juice, there's been plenty of that. Mm. Well, um, what when can fans expect to see this? Is this going to be sort of published uh, in the close season or? Yeah, my, my hope is I think because you you it needs to be needs to be an immediacy about it because as you know Phil next season will be upon us quicker than we quicker than we know so there's a couple there's a couple of opportunities obviously uh, either a couple of weeks after the end of the season or a couple of weeks before the beginning of of, of the following season um, when when fascination and interest. In football, not that it ever really goes away, but I think you need to, the, the publishers will want to pick the moment when they think that, that, that there's a, a, a better chance of it, of it obviously gathering interest. And um, but uh, you know, as I say, f- from from fearing that it might be a, a a calamity this season, and I'd be writing about poor old Wickham relegated to, to League Two, where where we stand now, I mean. Who knows what what might be around the corner, and and the the Americans coming in. I mean, we'd never heard of any of these people when we had our first conversation, Gareth and I. And and now look, uh, it, it's it's truly a remarkable odyssey already, and we're only three months into it. I mean, the last four or five years of Wickham, each season would have given you a great story, but. Uh, you know, we sit here in October at possibly one of the biggest two or three weeks in this club's history and, and you're here for it. It's almost perfect that you're here to document everything that's going on because people may look back at this period in many, many years to come and want to learn about this. Well, I, I'd, I'd like to think so. Um, yes, I, I've, I've gotten to know the Kuhigs reasonably well. Obviously, they're, they're new to me and I'm new to them. The, 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 the same thing as the players. You, you have to build a, a trust and a relationship. But yes, there's, there's a defining moment coming up. Uh, none of us had any idea. I mean, th- th- this, could, this might happen. So I, I just wake up every morning and think, what's, to, what's today going to bring? Because it can't be any weirder than what happened yesterday. But it turns out that it normally is. Uh, I mean, just, just take today. Here we are, Phil, sitting, uh, sitting with Stevenage. They're going to come out. And Adam El Abd, who, you know, who was one of, so welcoming when I started this. Anything you want, Neil, anything you want. And here he is today, having now playing for Stevenage, and he's just bumped into me in, in, the, in the foyer and said, "Don't forget, we're going to have a chat." So you know, he's he's still, I think he's still half here anyway, to be perfectly honest. But uh, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that. But I hope that the vote goes the way that that the supporters, I think, deep down in their hearts, they realise that it's it's kind of this or nothing at all. And I hope they're sensible and they vote for this. They vote for this deal because. Who knows, with Gareth and Dobbo in, in charge and the group of players they've got and the kind of people that are, are, are at this club, I think they've got a great chance of going even higher. Writing a book over a long period of time, I mean, it's a big change of gear from your previous job as a, a sports uh, journalist where you'd sort of cover an event, match, on to the next one. I'm guessing it's, it's a bit of an amalgamation of such, but there's a narrative you've got to join all this together. Is that a different skill? It, it is, I suppose. I mean, I've, I've tended to, the books I've done before have tended to be life stories of people, but this one is different. And the thing I've found is that you have to write it, obviously, as you go along. You can't take a month away because, well, as we've said already, every, so, so many things are going on that unless I, unless I um, chart it as we go along, 
so I'm, I'm refi- I, I've, I've started about six chapters, but I keep finding myself going back to refine certain things because something has happened that will fit better in an earlier chapter than it would um, something that's, that, that's, that's immediate. So yeah, it, it, it is. Um, it's about editing and, and, and editing yourself, which is not easy. Uh, I, I mean, I, I've written more already than I'd in- anticipated, but that's because, as I've said, there, there, is, there, there is so much matter out there to, to, to write about. I think it's going to, the, the test will be, come the, end, <coughs> excuse me, come the end of the season, how much I leave out rather than how much I put in. Has it got a working title or have you got a title already set or, or will, that, will that become clear as the season evolves? Well, I don't want to give it away, but I didn't, I, I, I didn't set out with the title, but one of the players tweeted something a couple of weeks ago um, and I said, that's the title. I'll, it might not be, so I won't say what it is, because I think if it, I'd like it to be a little bit of a surprise, but if you go back through the, the, the tweets recently, and of course the guys tweet a lot, but there's one tweet from one player, and I thought, he's got it. He's, he, that, is, that is it. That is the essence of Wickham. There we are, another episode of Ring in the Blues. Big thanks for tuning in, as ever. You can find me on Twitter, at Bluntphil, or you can email me, bluntphil at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Back to this week, many thanks to Vital Len, Jeff Doyle, Ollie Bayliss and Neil Harmon. We'll be back next week. Will Gareth Ainsworth still be in the Wickham's dugout? You'll find out then. Come on, you Blues. <laughs>